Welcome to the sermon podcast of St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Ferguson, Missouri. This week, Associate Pastor Josh Privet takes on a familiar parable of the prodigal son, sometimes referred to as the parable of the lost son. As Pastor Josh notes, the sermon preached this week is not the one he expected to preach when he first began the discernment process, but that's just sometimes how the Spirit works. Listen as he moved from Wisdom in Unexpected Places to Stay Connected, the fourth in our Lenten worship series, Breaking Cycles from Separation to Wholeness. Our text this day is Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. To learn more about St. Peter's, you may find us on the web at www.stpeterschurch.org or on Facebook by searching St. Peter's UCC Ferguson. Good morning again. Now it is time for the parable of the prodigal son and his brother. Then Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of your property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. There he squandered his property in desolate living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, His father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed heaven and before you and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. When this son of mine was dead and is alive again, he was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. 
But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured the property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf to him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. May God have the blessing on the reading of his word. Amen. And church, if you would join me in a quick moment of prayer. O God, of the youngest and the oldest, from the beginning and the end, God, we come this morning seeking a word of wisdom, something that we can take and apply to our lives. And so, O God, we just pray that your wisdom would be in this room, that your Holy Spirit would come and and move us where we need to go. And so, God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You know, church, sometimes when you uh, prepare for a sermon, the word changes in the middle of the week, and you don't expect it. Um, So if you want to take your pencil and cross out the sermon title, Wisdom in Unexpected Places, and write, Stay Connected in Place, um, that's the word that that is coming this morning. So the sermon title this morning is called Stay Connected. And as we've already talked about this morning, we're focusing on a story that's, I think, familiar to probably all of us. It's a story that whether you're inside the church or outside the church, you've probably heard a number of times, right? The prodigal son. And it's, it's infamous. It's one of those cherished stories that I've even heard folks outside of Christianity who have nothing to do with the church say, this story I can get on board with. And it goes like this, right? A son asks for his inheritance, essentially wishing his father dead and takes all of the money and spends it on stuff he shouldn't. He goes and just blows it all on a crazy night on the town. And he hits rock bottom and realizes, ooh, I've screwed up pretty bad, and so comes back home. And as his dad sees him far off in the distance, runs to meet him and hugs him, putting the best robe and throwing him a big party. And the older brother then gets word of what's happening, and he gets pretty jealous. He gets pretty jealous. And the father pleads with him, and that's the end of the story. The youngest brother running away, blowing a night on the town, the father welcoming him home, the oldest son getting jealous, and the father pleading the oldest son to come in. And on any day, this sermon would preach, right? The one of grace, when we identify with the youngest child, of God's deep and radical, extravagant love. That God is this father figure who welcomes us home, the prodigal child. And even when we've disrespected, have no regard for anything or anyone but ourselves. And that's a sermon, again, that could hold up on any day. But this morning, I want us to shift a little bit to the oldest child. And not in this typical, you need to repent and fire and brimstone sermon, but rather one to see what the oldest child has to teach us around listening and around staying connected. But first, a story. And this may be one you know or have seen before. There's this guy named Brian, and he's just a normal guy living in the Middle East. And one day he's running away from the authorities because he's in trouble for something. And he literally lands in the middle of all of these prophets speaking and preaching. And in order to stay away from the authorities, he just starts doing the same, making stuff up on the fly, saying random religious-sounding things so he blends in. And next thing he knows, people actually start listening to him. 
no matter how much he pushes back against it, people start following and believing that he is indeed the Messiah to the point of where there are suddenly hundreds of people following him as he continues to run away from them. And at one point, in a perfect embodiment of this example, Brian is running away and finds a man in a hole. And the man's not speaking to him, so he jumps in and steps on the man's toe. The man cries out and tells Brian, I was a hermit and I hadn't spoken for 13 years and you stepped on my toe. So the crowd finds him and and they continue to want a word from him. And Brian continues to resist. No, go away. I'm not a Messiah. No, you are the Messiah. Only the true Messiah would say he's not the Messiah. They say, Brian, we're hungry. Won't you give us some food? And he didn't have any Zuzus or Whamwams around, but he pointed to a juniper bush and he said, look, there's probably some berries on that bush. A miracle. You made berries appear on the bush with just your word. And this continued in the same pattern. No matter what Brian said, no matter what he did, even telling them to go away, to bugger off, they still heard that he was the Messiah. The people pointed to what they wanted to hear and not what he was actually saying. The older brother comes in from the field to learn that his brother has come home and there's a big party going on. And instead of hearing that his brother who could have literally died while he was blowing off his inheritance, the oldest brother focuses on himself. He shifts the conversation. Listen, he says. Doesn't even address his father. Listen. What the heck, Dad? You celebrate the son of yours who totally disrespects you, who wishes you metaphorically dead by asking for his inheritance, who wanted everything and then blows it on nothing what about me i never got a party not one what about my service and commitment to you what about the disrespect you're showing me by doing this what about me dad the eldest son totally ignored all of the conversation happening totally ignored the fact that his brother who could have died was home, he refused to acknowledge the joy in the room and focused all on himself. This oldest brother refused to listen and refused to stay connected. David Losa, a senior pastor up in Minnesota of uh, Mount Olivet Lutheran Church, puts it this way. He says the eldest son, too, ends up in his own distant country. This is one of his own making, where he loses any connection to his brother any connection to his father, or any connection to anyone else in that space at the moment. His oldest brother, like the folks in the life of Brian, refused to acknowledge what's going on around him. He points back to himself. What about me, he says. And there's an undertone of arrogance, a lack of relationship, a lack of groundedness. He doesn't want to listen. And he fails to remember that relationship and connection that he had before. He fails to stop, he fails to listen, and he fails to stay connected. Story number two. There are a couple of friends who had known each other for a really long time. They went to high school together, they hung out together, spent many an afternoon just shooting the breeze, and they had known each other pretty well by this point. They weren't quite best friends, maybe, but but they were definitely good friends. And they often had conversations about lots of things, deep conversations, and sometimes even on controversial topics. And then the topic of gay marriage came up. 
And it was random and sort of unexpected, but it, but it wasn't out of the ordinary, necessarily. And the conversation initially was cordial. Both parties listened, both parties respected one another. But at some point, that shifted. One person was still seeking to stay in the conversation and be respectful. The other person suddenly got stuck in their own religious rut, so to speak. The Bible says this, that, and the other. Quoting Leviticus, throwing scripture at the other person, beating them over the head. It's just the way God made us, they said. And the listening and deep conversation that had been there before was suddenly gone. The relationship, the friendship wasn't as present as it had been before. And the willingness to hear the other and take in what the other person had said had left the building. The context of the uh, prodigal son is one where the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious leaders of the day, are coming at Jesus with all of the scripture they can find. Luke 15.1 puts it this way. Now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming to Jesus to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling, saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. And then Jesus tells the story of the lost sheep and the lost coin and our story. And in Luke 13, it gives even a little more context to this as well. The Pharisees come to Jesus, and they're sitting there in the temple together. And some folks who need some physical healing come into the temple, and the Pharisees refuse to heal. Well, it's the Sabbath. We can't do work. But Jesus welcomes them and heals them. And the Pharisees say, you can't heal on the Sabbath. Scripture says this. And Jesus calls them out, saying, don't you untie your colt on the Sabbath? Don't you do work in that way, but you won't heal this person? The Pharisees and the scribes are so stuck in their own religious rut that they refuse to heal the grace and the healing that God offers. And I think all of this honestly comes from a place of wanting to serve God more fully. I believe that fully. The, the Pharisees and the scribes were the church people of their day. They were us. They were the oldest children of the prodigal story. They were doing what they were asked. They were doing what they should. They followed the tradition and the scripture. They came to church on Sundays and, and continued to worship God. And, and the same with this friend and the story quoting scripture. It comes from a good heart, a place of wanting to serve God. But I think in that space, it also fails to recognize what the Holy Spirit might be teaching through other people. That if we get stuck in this religious or scriptural rut, that we fail to listen how God might be pushing us and shifting us through other folks. That we fail to listen to other interpretations of scripture, like Christ presented to the Pharisees. In these stories, the Pharisees, the oldest brother, were failing to hear and to recognize and to take in the wisdom that was being presented to them. They were resisting the word with a capital W that was being told to them. They were resisting the relationship, that mutual connection that they had with their siblings. Story number three. At Bethesda Chevy Chase High School in Maryland, there was a group of male students in the IB program, International Business Program, that had created this list that was ranking female classmates by their attractiveness. And they'd made it about a year ago, and it resurfaced earlier this month through text messages and whispers, as often happens in high school. And one male classmate, seeing the name of his good friend on the list, told her about it, and within 24 hours, dozens of students 
had heard about it. One particular female student put it this way, knowing that my closest friends were talking to me and hanging out with me, but under that silently numbering me, it definitely felt like a betrayal. I was their friend, she said, but I guess I was also a number. That same Monday, a group of girls reported the list to an administrator. And the next day, the girls learned that after an investigation, the school administrators decided to discipline one male student within school detention for one day, which would not show up on his record, and they were unsatisfied with that. To the point that one of the girls texted every girl they knew in the program and told them to show up to the school's main office the next day, and they packed an assistant principal's office. The girls and the administrators, after a conversation, agreed that they should have a larger meeting with everyone in the program. And that Friday, almost all of the students of the IB program met in a large conference room for what was supposed to be just a 45-minute meeting. The meeting lasted two and a half hours. And several girls delivered personal and impassioned speeches describing not only their presence on the list, but also their previous experience with sexual abuse, harassment, objectification, inside and outside the school. And sitting towards the center of the room was the male student who had created the list. He was an 18-year-old senior in the program. And after listening to all of the speeches, many of which were directed specifically to him, he stood up and he spoke. And he admitted to making the list and he apologized. He said this. When you have a culture where it's just normal to talk about that, I guess making a list about it doesn't seem like such a terrible thing to do because you're just used to discussing it. I recognize that I'm in a position in this world generally where I have privilege, he said. I'm a white guy at a very rich school, and it's easy for me to lose sight of the consequences of my actions and kind of feel like I'm above something. This student could have easily checked out. He could have easily taken it as a personal attack that all of these people were directing stuff at him, but instead he stayed in the relationship he connected. He listened, and he took in what he was being told. And out of that, he repented. He changed his ways, as far as we can tell. He apologized. That, my friends, is what this looks like. That's the listening. That's the connection. And frankly, I think that's the grace in the story, too. The grace that God still has more waiting for us. That God still has more yet to teach us. That God says, there's more for you. Come and see what's there. That God is the father in this story that's welcoming us, the oldest children, to come and see. Come and see what is yet to be. And even while we resist and we shut off and we seek to uh, break those relationships, and we seek to make something about ourselves instead of the other person, God still calls us and says, no, there's more for you. Come and see what's there. But God still wants us to grow. No matter how young or old we are, no matter how smart or silly we think we are, God still loves us and cares us enough to call us out and welcome us home, saying, come and see what I have for you. But God keeps calling us. Calling us to listen. Calling us to connect. To be in relationship with each other. To be humble and courageous to stay in relationship in a good and healthy way. But God is the Father calling us, the oldest child, saying, come and see what I have for you. Come and see. The prodigal son story doesn't end with a resolution. I don't know if you caught that. It took me a couple times. 
It doesn't end with a happy bow tied at the end. We have no idea what the oldest son does. The father welcomes him home, and that's the end of the story. But we do know that God and the parent in this story calls him to join the feast. He calls him to come and celebrate his brother's return. He calls him and welcomes him home, saying, Come and see there is more. Stay in the relationship. So I don't know what's coming. I don't know what's coming for you or for me or for us. But I do know that God calls us and says, Come and see what's more. Amen.